Welcome everybody to another episode of Counting on Chasen, the series that helps strengthen nonprofits. Today we have our friend Michelle Philo back. Welcome back. Thank you, Julia. It's great to be here. You know, before we get going, um, two things. We're going to talk about aligning a nonprofit strategic plan to a budget that until I started working on this episode, I didn't realize how I had been involved in so many strategic plans that did not do this. So I am really interested in learning from you. I always learn from you, Michelle. But talk to me first about what the Director of New Client Experience and Technical Services does. It, it seems like you do a lot. I do a lot. So I oversee our onboarding team. So we onboard all the new clients, get them up and running, get processes in place so that they're ready for our long-term solution team. And I oversee our technical services team. We implement systems where needed. We assist with um, getting some automation in place and creating some internal controls within the systems environment. We also just started a new line of service this year, the local government services. I have a strong government nonprofit background and see that there's a real area of need for our local governments as um, accounting expertise is, is dwindling over time and fewer are choosing to go that route. So we think that's an area where we can also be of service in our communities. And then I oversee our quality control and compliance departments. And for us, all of our financial statements are reviewed before being issued to our clients and before being presented to our audit firms. So we um, go through a review process internally. Wow, amazing. Well, so then you are the perfect person to be talking about with, with me because of, of all this, in giant, this giant, I wanna say ecosystem almost that you're involved in. Yes. Um, again, I'm Julia Patrick, CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy, and it has been a delight and a pleasure to be working with a Chasen & Company um, team on this special series called Counting on Chasen. I want to remind everybody, which something that's just amazing, Chasen & Company has made this whole series free to anyone who wants to come on and watch it. You don't have to be a client of Chasen and & Company. And so that's pretty remarkable because most people that have this much knowledge in and have taken the time to sit down and present it and put it together, um, they're not gonna give it away for free or they're gonna limit the access and Chasen and & Company um, has not done that. So we wanna make sure that we uh, thank them for this amazing series. Okay, I witnessed to you in the very beginning, Michelle, that. I only think when I look at a strategic plan of seeing one pretty big time financial number, and that has to do with fundraising. And for some reason, all the other pieces of a strategic plan don't seem to really have any accounting piece of this. So talk to me about why that is, um, because this is a huge problem. Well, it actually an accounting impact beyond fundraising because what are we raising those funds for often it's a new initiative it could be a capital project but it's often new initiatives so what do those initiatives cost and that drives how much we need to to raise so if we're increasing a program from an existing what do we want to increase are we adding expanding 50 
news clients? What does our first hundred cost us per client? What staffing model does that look like? Do we need to expand our staffing? What's an inflationary rate over time that we should be applying to these costs as well? You know, I've got to say, it almost seems like we don't have the right people in the room when all of this is going on, mm -hmm. because it seems to me like we have the accounting and finance people over here, and then we have, you know, the board or the committee or the strategic group over mm -hmm. here. And is that what you're seeing? Sure. So I think the board should come up with that big picture strategic plan, the initiatives they would like to implement working with the executive director. The executive director should bring that back to his or her leadership team okay. and work to translate that plan into goals and a plan of action. And of course I'm an accountant, so we always put dollars behind the plan of action. So let me reframe this and because what I hear you saying is that when we start the process, it really should be that core group that's committed to writing the strategic plan. Mm -hmm. And most often, and, and I'm interested in your opinion, I do see the board doing that, or maybe um, a committee within the board. Mm -hmm. um, so starting there, and then it kind of gets thrown back into ops and uh, within the, the uh, organization. Is that fair to, to, to say I, it that way? I think that's fair to say, mm -hmm. and I think it's, potential that you may want to have your CFO level involved as you are working through initiatives and, and look at what is a doable initiative versus what might be out of reach for the organization. Or if we want to reach it, what do we, what staffing, what infrastructure do we need in place to reach those goals? You know, that's brilliant because it seems to me if you started that way, then you could kind of limit going off on a tangent or coming up with something that's just once the, the the accounting and finance team gets it, they're like, no, 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 time out, time out. This isn't <laughs> going to work. And then everybody kind of gets, it's contentious, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think once we start de defining those initiatives that the board wants us to take on, then we put the numbers behind it. Development comes up with how, you know, how many dollars do we need? What's our current turnover rate of donors? What's our attrition? What's our average dollar? And knowing this, what type of initiatives do we need to see to get the funding in place for these projects? Yeah, because again, that's now that's a, layering in a third element, those, those development folks that will be like, wait a minute, we love this idea, but no money, no mission. How are we going right. to get this done? Um, talk to me a little bit about looking forward, you know, the three, five-year planning concept. How do we do that? I think one of the, the, I mean, my gosh, so many lessons from the global pandemic. Mm -hmm. But one of them was is that so many of us had these amazing plans. And then we had a big upheaval. And it was like, well, what do we do with our plan? So what can you advise us on that, given that plans um, are going to be the strategic plan and tagged to an accounting finance you know, plan? What does that look like? Sure. So often we say have a five-year rolling budget. So current year is, is in the short term what we're going to do, what does it cost to do, what we want to accomplish this year. But that five-year rolling budget is a continual moving target as we see what is doable or what is not. 
do we want to build a building? Okay, what we need a five-year capital campaign. So what do we need to raise each of those five years in order to build this building? And then what's the cost? There's going to be some holding costs of not having your money right away. There's potentially a line of credit. What's our borrowing cost? And then what's the staffing requirement and the administrative and overhead requirement to go after this funding? So, you know, the way when you phrase it like that, it almost seems like that would be the information that you need anyway to go out to major funders for major mm -hmm. grants. So putting that in place now is really going to help you navigate that strategic plan first and foremost. Yes, and your major funders want to see what your plan is. Are you financially going to be able to meet this goal? And if you have that five-year rolling budget and you can show a plan to your funders as well, particularly your major funders, um, that is what's going to help bring that, close that deal, so to speak, for the development department as well. Yeah. So I guess when you, when I first started thinking about this, it gave me like almost a panic attack because I was like, five years, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I see what you're saying now. It's not like the super nitty gritty, how much are we going to be spending on paper clips? It's that exactly. bigger um, structural piece. Is that fair to say? Yes, and it can continue to roll as we see first six months of this year, how we're doing, where we are to that first year short-term plan, easier to plan. What do we need to project out in that five-year rolling plan? Do we need to project additional staff? Because we know our development staff at, say we have a development staff of five and they're at max, but we need them to raise another $5 million. So we're going to need to add an, another person or two. What does that cost? Keep rolling that plan outwards as we learn more and we look at our targets. You know, I love that. I think that's just really, um, I think that's a, it's a logical way to go and I think it can end a lot of fear and a lot of surprise if we get into the habit of that. One of the things I also want to ask you about, and, and this kind of dovetails to that concept of moving forward, and that is, you know, in especially the American nonprofit landscape, we're so into growth and we measure growth and we measure, you know, our improvements and we go up, we go up, we're always looking at this and now it seems like um, you know we're really looking back at expanding our programs and and doing outreach. Sometimes that might even include you know merging with another organization, moving into another market within our region or another state. So how do we look at those things that often come from the strategic plan point of view and meld those to the budget? Sure. So again, those are all part of that rolling plan. If okay. we're going to expand into, for example, we have a client who has expanded their child care program into other counties within the state. It's an aftercare program. So we had to look at cost per student, how many students would be eligible in those counties. Some of them were more low income than, than some that we were in. And then what grant funding is available. So in this case, it's more grant-driven than donor-driven. So what grant funding is available? When does it become available? Is it aligned with our fiscal year or does it not align with our fiscal year? And how do we go after those dollars? And that's why it's important to monitor not only the budget, but then the cash flow impact of that budget as well. Wow. So it's, um, 
going back to this like strategic plan that tends to be so narrative and structure and and such a verbal exercise right <laughs> but certainly if we're pulling in our our finance and our accounting folks what are some other data points that maybe we should be looking at in order to being more productive and getting a strategic plan that actually works Sure. So we would want to look at certain key performance in indicators. I mentioned donor retention rate, average gift per donor. Those are important metrics to look at as we're thinking about growing a program. We may want to look at what's our cost to deliver the service and our, our cost per student if we're in, in um, an education field or our cost per client if we're in health and human services. And what will our cost be if we expand? What's our overhead cost for that? And do we need to add to overhead to support the programs behind the scenes? Those types of things are all important. Um, we have a client who was expanding a building based on a COVID HUD grant available, right? So we're gonna expand our building and we're gonna have more capacity to hand out food from our food bank. And we have in-kind donations of food. So that doesn't cost us anything but it costs us to build the building because it's a cost reimbursement grant. So we have to stay on top of what's our cash outflow? When will we need to have a borrowing to support the timing difference between when we spend the money and when we receive the money from the funder? And then how many new staff will we need to operate this new building and facility that we're going to add? That's also a metric that, that we had to remember to consider because even though our inventory doesn't cost, the, the giving out the inventory and servicing the client in the community does have a cost. It's such an interesting thing because I'm sitting on the other side of the desk. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I mean, as a board member or a committee member, you bet we need to feed more people. We need to serve our community um, we need to be able to inventory more food, to your point. We're getting it for free, but it's going to waste if we can't properly inventory it mm -hmm. and all this. Um, that I can see being part of a strategic plan, but all the things that you talked about, really in order to implement it, we're not putting in those strategic plans. It's absolutely, I got a witness to you. I think it's a little frightening that we, we haven't married these two pieces. Correct, but we have to if we're going to bring that plan to fruition. And I think often we have board members who are from the public sector and they should leverage their sort of cost accounting knowledge when looking at a nonprofit. It's not, it is mission driven, but it's not functioning altogether differently than um, our for profit. Right. I think that's really wise. Um, one of the things that as, as we, we kind of wind up our time with you and it's gone by very quickly, I've got to ask you this question and it's really about the realities of cash flow because again, I keep going back to that one number that's always huge on the strategic plan. How much money do we have to raise? It never talks about cash flow, but I'm asking for you to educate me sure. why we need to be thinking about that. Well, cash flow may not come in at the same time as cash outflow. So inflow and outflow don't match. We have to know how are we going to pay payroll? How are we going to purchase the supplies? 
if I have a grant that starts in January, but my program starts in July, I've got to be able to fund this program from July to December without this money. So do I have reserves? Should I be uh, preparing a board reserve for these times? So it's really important to take our inflows and outflows because in a nonprofit, it's not just selling a good. So we always have constant money coming in. We have to plan for the timing of those grant funds to come in. So I've got to ask you this, with all of the different nonprofits that you work for or work with, do you see this in action? I mean, do you see, I don't even want to say enough, but are you seeing clients come to you that they're like, oh yeah, we know to work together on this. Or is this kind of a newer concept? I don't think it's a new concept. I think after in our post-COVID environment, our nonprofits are now realigning strategic plans and they're asking us for these things. They're asking us to assist with cash flow. And they they recognize that, you know, we got PPP back in, in uh, 2020 and 2021, but we don't have, we didn't have that in 22 and now we're out of cash. So how do we plan for that? And how do we overcome not having these one-time funds available that we once did? Right. It's so interesting. And, you know, you can have the best intentions to serve a problem, to, you know, work in your community. But, man, if you don't have these these numbers and these pieces in place, um, all of your, your good deeds, or I should say desires to do good deeds, there's just not going to be any movement because you're not going to be able to navigate the the fundamental issue which is your finance and accounting piece exactly wow it's really been interesting michelle philo um cpa director of new client experiences and technical services you're doing a lot over there at chasen and company so i really appreciate you taking the time to come on counting on chasen and help us to understand um I dare I say a new way to think about this, but maybe I should say a better way to think about accounting and finance with a strategic planning process. I like that, a better way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm never going to look at a strategic plan the same because it's a missing link. If we don't have this um, mindset going in, it seems to me, Michelle, and thanks to your, your time uh, this morning, it seems to me like we're spending a lot of time on things that we can't really make occur because we haven't figured out this financial piece. Correct. It is so important to understand what it will cost and how to get there in the strategic plan. Yeah, it's remarkable. Well, you are a treasure and I always learn so much from you. Uh, we have a lot of other um, amazing series on Counting on Chasen and some which Michelle has been a part of and helped educate us on how we can be better and stronger nonprofits. I certainly encourage you to, to check those out. And you can do that simply by visiting chasenandcompany.com or go directly to the page um, countingonchasen.com. And there you will see a whole host of uh, educational series that are free um, that help you achieve your mission, vision, and values. Hey, Michelle, you've helped me so much achieve my mission, vision, and values. So thank you so much. Thank you, Julia. 
Have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you back for another episode of Counting on Chasing.